0: Good evening. It's good to see each of you here tonight. I know it was kind of a nasty day, but I appreciate you being here and hope it was a good day for you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we will get started. Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for a warm place that we can come into this evening. I thank you, Lord, for those who have made the effort to be here tonight and pray that you'd bless our time together. God, I pray that you'd use me to say what I believe you've laid upon my heart and that it would be a help to your people and to myself as well. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, two weeks ago, you may remember we were in Genesis chapter 45 and we watched as Joseph revealed himself to his brothers. We know that that was a very emotional moment in Joseph's life. We know that that was a pivotal moment in his life, not only for himself, but for his brothers as well. And as they stood there, troubled at what was going on to the point where they could not speak, We were reminded in verse number 5 where Joseph tried to help them forgive themselves when he said to them, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves. And Joseph explained to his brothers that God had worked all this out and that it was God who had sent him uh, to Egypt for a specific reason, for a specific purpose. And uh, uh, the kindness manifested in Joseph's attitude is astounding when you consider what he had to say to his brothers. Then last week, as he was about to send his brothers on their way back home uh, to tell their father, Jacob, that Joseph was still alive, he said in verse number 3, See that ye fall not out by the way. And I said last week, that is an unusual expression, that's an unusual wording of things. We're in chapter 45, by the way, Genesis 45, verse number 23 And that idea behind the statement or the idea behind the statement is this. I don't want you to tremble. I don't want you to be fearful. I don't want you to be scared. Uh, When you go back home, do so with a sense of an ease of mind and an ease of heart. I don't want you to be scared during this transition in your life. And again, the manifestation of grace and kindness on behalf of Joseph toward his brothers truly is amazing. And I don't know about you, but it's a challenge to me. And, and so last week what I tried to ask us was this, as, as he was mindful of the emotions and the feelings of his brothers, is there any room for compassion in our life when dealing with the emotions and the feelings of people in our life? And most of us could afford a little bit more compassion. Not all of us, but most of us could. And so that's what uh, the point was dealing with last week. Now, tonight, I'm going to begin somewhat slowly in how I approach this message. I'm going to say a couple of things that you may or may not fully understand, and that's the risk I take, but uh, there are times, as a preacher, you know this message may not be for anyone else, but it happened to be for me. If you've taught a Sunday school class, if you've ever led a Bible study, anything of that nature, you know that there are times where the truth of the message really hits you, and you think, well, maybe I'm the only one who struggles with this, maybe I'm the only one who deals with this, and so in a few moments, I'm going to try to be transparent with you, and transparency sometimes makes me nervous, because anything you say can and may be held against you. It doesn't mean that it will be. It just means that there's a risk associated with it. And so I'm going to share some things with us in a couple of moments, and, and, and I know up front this will seem awkward, okay? You may even feel a little bit uncomfortable, and, and I don't know. It may not bother you at all. It may not faze you, but you may sit there and say, why in the world is he telling us this? There's a reason for it, okay? Just trust me and you seem fairly trusting tonight or completely disinterested. I don't know which it is. I'm going to go with trusting, but I'm going to share some things, trying to be transparent, trying to get to a point in a few moments that maybe someone other than myself will be able to identify with. Some of you tonight know that Susie and I own a timeshare. Some of you understand what a timeshare is. Others of you, you may not have any idea what a timeshare is. Uh, most of the time, a timeshare is a waste of money, but for us, it's turned out to be a good thing. And the timeshare is what we have used the last few years to take our family vacations, and it's made our family vacations very affordable, all right, very affordable for us. And so when we take one-week vacations because of the timeshare, we have never paid more than a couple hundred dollars for seven nights stay, okay? So that kind of gives you a little bit of context as to what I'm talking about, timeshare, vacation property. And because of the way it's set up, you can use it in all these different places. Now, not only is that a benefit to me and to my family, the timeshare that we own, but God has made it such for us that we have been able to use that timeshare to be a blessing to other people. So in the last few years, with the ownership of that and how it works and the system that we're a part of, we've been able to send my family and Susie's family on different vacations for next to nothing by way of cost for the hotel stays. In addition to that, because I have a burden and I have a desire to be a blessing to people in ministry, Susie and I have began using that timeshare to send other people on vacation. And so, from time to time, Susie and I will talk, and Susie and I will discuss, and there will be certain people that I have on my mind, and I've said things like this to her, what do you think about us sending them on vacation somewhere? And more times than not, Susie says, I don't care if they want to go. Sure. And so I'm going to give you a couple of examples. Again, just bear with me on this, and, and we'll get there, okay? Next month, Susie and I, because of something we did for a couple, they will be flying to Orlando and we took care of their plane tickets and their resort and got them a good deal. Okay? The week following that, we're sending another couple to Orlando and we paid for their airline tickets and they're going to get to enjoy all the sights and sounds. Really, at a discounted price because of something Susie and I are doing for them. In January, there are a couple of other men in the ministry who are going to go on vacation because of what Susie and I are trying to do for them. And if you looked at what we've done for preachers or staff members in the ministry over the last 12 months and what will come up in the next couple of months... This seems awkward to say, but it's not insignificant by way of amount and by way of contribution into other people's lives. Okay, If I were to just be honest about my feelings on the matter, this is what I would say. Susie and I work hard to be generous in the lives of other people. As I've heard it described, I want to be a funnel, I don't want to be a sponge. So whatever we receive, I really do want God to use us as a funnel to send it out and to try to be a blessing into someone else's life. And so again, if we were to just look at the books and say, okay, well, we took care of this and we paid for this and we did this for some people and we raised some money and some other ways to be a blessing to some other people... Again, from my perspective, it's somewhat significant, and I would identify it as being generous. Now, tonight, here is what I know without a doubt that if you were the preacher this evening and you were given the chance to speak of your generosity in the lives of other people, many of you, while the specifics would be different, You would be able to say, well, we give to this, or we gave to them, or we contributed to this, or we support this, and we give monthly to this. And you, not trying to be weird, not trying to brag on yourself, you could just say this, because I believe in these people, or because I believe in these institutions, or I believe in this uh, work that these people are trying to do, we give to these things because we want to be generous We don't want to be selfish. We don't want to be stingy. And so, again, I think there are many of you who could give a testimony very similar to mine that you desire to be generous with with, with what God has entrusted you and your family with. Is that fair to say? Or would you sit here and say, nope, I'm the sponge and I'll take everything I can get. I hope that's not your testimony. Okay, don't let the illustration bother you. We'll get back to that in a couple of moments. In Genesis chapter 45, what has Joseph done? Well, Joseph has revealed himself to his brothers, right? Right. I, I mentioned that in the review just a moment ago. Joseph has revealed himself to his brothers, and this has been a shocking, alarming, disturbing process for the brothers. We know from verse number 16 that it says this, And the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house. The fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house. What was the fame? What was the noise? What was the commotion? The commotion was this, is that Joseph's brothers are in Egypt. Joseph's brothers have come from the land of Canaan. They are here in the land of Egypt. And Joseph has revealed himself or made himself known to his brothers. And there was such an excitement and there was such a buzz about what had taken place that the news somehow got back to the house of Pharaoh. Now, if you think about this for just a moment, that statement in its simplicity implies something that I think is fairly important. What that implies is this, the first time that the brothers came from Canaan to the land of Joseph, Joseph did not reveal that to anyone. See, the first trip that the brothers made to Egypt to buy the corn, to buy the food, if Joseph had so chosen, He could have let everyone know after the brothers were gone. Did you know that those were my brothers? Did you know that those were my brothers who came and bought the corn and they had no idea who they were talking to? Did you see the way they got scared the way I spoke to them or the way I spoke to them through the interpreter? Did you see the way they got nervous? Did you hear some of the things they said? Did you hear them talk about how they had the guilty conscience because of what they had done to me in years past? It seems as though from the simplicity of that statement that though the brothers had come the previous time, Joseph never shared with anyone that those were his brothers because, again, the second time upon his revealing himself to his brothers, that is when it began to be noised abroad that the brothers were here. Someone says, well, who cares? Susie and I were talking about this last week. Again, I find this interesting. It may not interest you, but I find this interesting. As you read through the scriptures, as you read the rest of the story of Joseph and his dealings with his brothers and his dad, it is not recorded that Joseph ever revealed to his father what his brothers had done to him. now think about that for just a moment it seems as though from what we can tell and somebody may say "Well, that's just speculation on your part certainly Jacob had to have found out I don't think the brothers went home and spilled the beans I don't think the brothers went home and said, Hey, dad, guess what we did 22 years ago? And boy, are you going to be shocked. No, their instructions were to go back and say, Joseph is alive. He is the Lord of Egypt. You've got to come to where Joseph is. I think, and maybe this is just my human nature reading too much into it, but I think from the perspective of the brothers, they were very carefully in how they crafted, they were very careful in how they crafted their words to their brother and, or to their father. And as you read through the story again, Joseph doesn't, we don't have it recorded that Joseph ever had a conversation with his father about everything the brothers had done to him. If you read through the scripture, as you read through the story, we have one example of Joseph relaying his story to someone else. And that was to a butler in a dungeon who forgot him for two years. Now, why do I say that? I say that to say this. It does not seem to be that everyone knew Joseph's life story. All right? Not everyone seemingly was aware of what had happened and what had taken place. So notice in verse number 16 that when the fame got back to Pharaoh's house and he heard what was taking place, notice what Pharaoh said. It said, It pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, in verse number 17, Say unto thy brethren, This do ye. lay your beast, and go, get you unto the land of Canaan, and take your father and your household, and come unto me, And I will give you the good of the land of Egypt, and ye shall eat the fat of the land. This is what Pharaoh said to Joseph. I want you to tell your brother to laid your beast. I want you to get your be- the, the, the beast, the animals. I want you to load them down with the supplies. I want you to get to the land of Canaan, and I want you to get your father and all of your household, and I want you to come to me, and I am going to give you the good of the land. You shall eat of the fat of the land. And notice what was said in verse number 20, And regard not your stuff, for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. Now, what has Pharaoh just done on behalf of Joseph's family? Well, he has just shown them great generosity. Has he not? You tell your brothers, Joseph. You go down, and first of all, you make sure they've got plenty of supplies, but, but you tell them to go down, get your father, get their stuff, get their, get their homes, get, get what they want to bring, but tell them to come to Egypt. They will eat of the fat of the land. I will give them the good land, and tell them not to worry about their stuff because I will give them the good of all the land of Egypt. It will be theirs. That was an act of generosity. But here's how I perceive it, and if you choose to disagree with me, that's fine. But here's how I perceive his act of generosity. I think it was an act of generosity done in ignorance. Somebody says, well, what do you mean? Well, I mean this. If Pharaoh didn't know the story, he wouldn't have known the context by which he was extending the generosity to his brothers. Now, I don't know about you, but see, if I knew that you had been beaten by your siblings, you had been thrown into a pit and sold into slavery and had been separated for 22 years because of the lives of your siblings, and then one day, me knowing all that, I met your siblings, I think I would have enough decency about myself to not say to your siblings, hey, why don't you move this way, and I'll make sure that you get plenty of time with your family that's not a very considerate attitude. See, if you knew that I'd been mistreated and abused by my family, and and if you knew all that and then you met my family and you said, hey, I'm going to help move you up here and I'm going to make sure that you're well taken care of and all this other stuff, I think I know what I would do. I think I'd look at you and say, are you serious? Because I have family that have not done those things to me and I don't want to live near them. You understand this, right? There, there are just certainly, certain family members. I, I like them living in other states. I like them living a long distance away from us. And so I think here is Pharaoh, and he is acting out, and, and he is showing them some extreme generosity by what he is offering and by what he is promising and by what he is giving. But I think that in many regards, his act of generosity was done in ignorance. Now, if you're Joseph, here's what we know. Joseph has not forgotten. Joseph remembers everything. Remember we talked about this week uh, talked about this last week Joseph remembered everything. Joseph is the second in command, is he not? Don't you think if Joseph had wanted to, he could have gone to Pharaoh and said, Hey, listen, I, I appreciate what you did for my brothers or what you've said. But, but can I share with you how I feel about this? You, you know, I, I mean, I, I appreciate you saying, Hey, come back and don't worry about your stuff and I'll give you the good of the land. Pharaoh, can I just be honest with you? I don't mind if my dad and Benjamin move here, but I really don't care if my other ten brothers come here or not. So that would be understandable on our, from our perspective, would it not? Okay, it's from my perspective. And I said, remember, this may only be for me, it may not be for you. But I can envision where it would be understandable if Joseph had gone to Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh, I'm not comfortable with this. I don't like the idea of my family and all of their family moving here based upon what's happened in the past. But notice what it says in verse number 21. It says, And the children of Israel did so. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh and gave them provision for the way. To all them he gave each man changes of raiment. But to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and 500 uh, changes of raiment. And his father he sent after this manner ten asses laden with the good things of Egypt and ten she-asses laden with corn and bread and meat for his father by the way or for the journey. Now I want us to think about this. Here is Joseph, and he remembers everything his brothers did to him in the past. He is fully aware of it. He is completely mindful of it. And Pharaoh, in somewhat of an ignorance or an, or an unawareness of what has happened, he shows or he, he expresses this desire to be generous to the family, and at no point does Joseph, do we have record of him stepping in and saying, Pharaoh, these guys don't deserve it. These men do not deserve it. What did Pharaoh, or what did Joseph do? It says that Joseph did according to the commandment of Pharaoh, gave them provision, and gave each man changes of raiment. You know what he did? He did what Pharaoh told him to do, and then he went above and beyond and gave them even more than what he was commanded to give them. Now think about this. I know I'm saying this a lot, but but I understand that maybe the perspective that I'm coming at the text from is a little bit different. But, but, but think about this. What has Joseph just done? He has extended generosity to his brothers as well as the generosity that was extended to them by way of Pharaoh's instructions. Joseph extended generosity to his brothers. Now you know that I don't normally title messages. In fact, I usually spend no time whatsoever titling a message. But this one came to mind, and so I'm going to give it to you. And if you remember nothing else about the message, maybe you'll remember the title, though we're just now getting to it. And that would be this, Joseph's Generosity to the Jerks. Joseph's generosity to the jerks in his life. He could have stepped up and said, Pharaoh, no, Pharaoh, I don't want them here. Pharaoh, they don't deserve this. Pharaoh, I don't like the idea. And you and I, we could have understood that. And you and I would have said, I don't blame you, Joseph. I mean, I can certainly see where you're coming from. But yet here is Joseph. And what is he doing? He is happy to extend to his brothers the generosity that was bestowed upon them or extended to them by way of Pharaoh. And as he extends to them everything that Pharaoh said he wanted them to have, not only does he give that to them, but he gives gives them even more than what Pharaoh required of them or of him. Somebody says, well, fantastic. I don't see any significance in all this. All right, go back to my personal story. Timeshare. We like to use it. We like to let family use it, and we like to let other people in the ministry use it. You know who I like to let use it? People who I like. It's kind of weird how that works, isn't it? Hey, i got a timeshare. Do you ever like to travel somewhere? You just let me know, and and, and I'll try my best to hook you up. I I can't tell you how many men in the ministry I've told that to. Hey, if if you'll just tell me when you'd like to travel, where you think you'd like to go, I'll look for some deals, and I promise you I can set you up. Do you know how many men I've told that to? I've said that to many, many men in the ministry. But you know what is consistent with every man I've told? I like you. I like you. Did you know that there are certain men in my life who are in the ministry? I don't know how else to say it, but other than this, I don't like them. shouldn't admit that, should I? But see, there's a problem. I'm human. And I've got this flesh that I deal with just like you deal with. Okay, so if, if I like a person, well, I don't mind trying to be generous. I don't mind trying to be giving. I don't mind trying to, to do something special for this person. I don't mind at all trying to be generous with the people in my life that I don't like, or that I do like. But how about that person in my life that I don't like? I think they're a jerk. I think they're obnoxious. I, I, I just I, I don't care for their, their spirit. I don't like their attitude. They're just certain things they have done, you know, like 12 years ago. And I'm not going to forget what they did. I'm going to hold on to that, and I'm going to remember it, and I'm going to be mindful of it. And every time I see them, I'll be sure and pull the file out that says, Hey, don't forget what they did. And as a result of some offense that they did to me, or some offense that they did to someone that I care about, or because I heard something that they did that I don't agree with, you know what I, I, I do? I make this mental note that says, nope, not going to help them, I'm not going to extend generosity to them, because I don't like them. Do you see a problem with my philosophy of life many times? I'm glad you don't, obviously, or or you're afraid to say, yes, I see your problem. Do you see the problem with my philosophy of life sometimes? I'm like the Pharisee. Listen, I'm good to the people who are good to me, but once you've offended me, and once you have hurt me, once you have violated me, once you have offended my family, once you have done something that, that I was personally bothered by, I'm telling you right now, I don't care how long it's been, I can remember the offense, and I will show you no generosity whatsoever. Ha! How about that? You're not going on a cheap vacation. I'm not paying for your airline tickets. No sirree. Nope, you're not getting any of that from me. You can, you can just go on your own vacation. I don't care if you don't take a vacation. How's that for the love of God? Well, I don't mind being generous to the people who are good to me. But once you offend me, once you do something that I don't like, My goodness and my kindness and my generosity is cut off. And I'm done with you. Now, what does that reveal? Well, I can promise you this. It does not reveal spiritual maturity. It does not reveal spiritual depth. It does not reveal this deep and and, and meaningful relationship with the Lord. What it reveals is this. Kyle, you've got some issues that you've got to work on. And, Kyle, you've got some issues that you need to deal with. And and, and you've got to get victory over this. And and, and as I'm dealing with the text today or this week, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, just one more example in Joseph's life that reminds me of my own personal failures and my walk with the Lord and how I deal with other people. So you sit here tonight and you may say, well, Pastor, I'm going to pray for you. I want you to know I appreciate your prayers. I really do. I appreciate the prayers. Let me ask you something. How many of you have jerks in your life? I'm going to make sure I get all this out of my notes because I I don't want to miss this part, okay? Because now it's your turn. It says right here. We all have jerks in our lives, and we do, don't we? Some of us or some of you, however we should say that, we have them in the family, don't we? That person is just a jerk. I don't know how else to describe it. That person is just a jerk. They're a jerk, and I've got so many illustrations I could give you to prove how much of a jerk they really are. You got them, don't you? Some of you, where you work, you have jerks that you work with. Some of you, uh, they're the people that you trade with and you do business with on a regular basis. Some of you think you live with one. Some of you think you worship with some. There are jerks all around us. Now ask yourself this question, how easily do you go out of your way to be generous to the jerks in your life? That's usually not how we work, is it? See, I don't think I'm entirely alone on this, even though you may make me feel like I am tonight. I think if you were honest, some of you know exactly what I'm saying. Again, the specifics would be different. It's not talking about timeshares and travel. But but you would be able to say, you know what, there are certain people in my life, and I don't mind doing something for them. I don't mind helping them out. I, I don't mind bending over backwards to help them. That does not bother me at all. But if this person asked me to do the exact same thing, they would not get that kind of generosity from me because of something they did to me or they did to my family or they've done to someone that I care about. They've done something, and and I have not yet forgotten it, and, and it doesn't sometimes even matter how long ago the offense was. We remember their offense... And it's almost as though we're afraid we might forget it or get over it if we don't, you know, move on. And so we keep reminding ourselves of it. We you know, we we have those negative bitter thoughts toward that person anytime their name comes up, and, and we don't want to be generous to the jerks in our life. And here's the problem. First of all, it's easy for us to justify it, is it not? It's easy for us to justify our lack of generosity or our lack of kindness to them, whatever it is or whoever it is. It's easy to justify, and it's also difficult to get victory in this many times because we have so many people who are understanding of our position and thus in turn supportive of our position. We hear things like this. I don't blame you. Well, it doesn't matter if they blame us or not. I'll stand before God, not the person who says, I don't blame you. Amen. We hear things like this. You don't owe that jerk anything. Yeah, you're exactly right. I don't know that jerk anything. So not only are we justifying it in our minds, we've got somebody coming along beside us who understands our position. They're just as immature as we are in the matter, and they say something like this. You don't owe them anything. It's not your responsibility to take care of them. Hey, it's not your fault that they were such a jerk to you X number of years ago. And so we've got people saying, listen, don't worry about it. It's okay. Hold the grudge. Hold on to the bitterness. Just, just keep on hanging on to it, and whatever you do, don't ever get past it to where you're actually kind and benevolent toward them. We justify it and we have friends who help us justify it. And we go through life with this distorted mentality of what godliness looks like. That I'm not obligated to be generous and kind to the jerks in my life. I'll close with this thought, and then we'll be done, and you can process this however you want to. We don't have to be generous if we don't want to be. We don't have to be. You and I can be as stingy with whatever resources God has given us And and we can be as tight-fisted as we want to be with whatever those resources are. We can be selective in who we are giving to. We can be selective in who we are generous with. We can do that. But we will have to stand before God and give an account for that. So somebody wronged you in business years ago. What are we going to do? We're we going to hold on to it? We're we going to remember that? And are we going to continue to, to, to refuse to extend to them any kind of generosity and kindness? Is that what we're going to do? If somebody did you wrong and they were a jerk in your family X number of years ago. Are, are we going to hold on to that forever? Well, you know, I just I don't want to forget that. Well, y- you can have that attitude, but we'll stand before God with that. I can go to my grave with every grudge I've got against every pastor, wherever they're wrong, and I know they're wrong and I'm right, because, well, I know I'm right. I can go to my grave that way, but I'll stand before God with that attitude. We can be pharisaical, and how we handle our relationships with the people God has brought into our lives. We can love those who love us and be good and generous to those who are good and generous to us, and we can be stingy and tight-fisted and unforgiving to the people who have wronged us, but we will have to stand before God with that attitude. I thought of this as I was in the office today. I thought, can you imagine if God treated us the way we generally treat people. Why would I be generous to you? I remember 14 years ago you offended me. I remember 10 years ago, I remember five years ago, wasn't it just last week you did the exact same thing that you've asked me for forgiveness I don't know how many times in the past. I'm not going to be good and generous and kind to you. Can you imagine if God treated us the way that we often interact with the people who have wronged us in our lives? It's a step of godliness to be generous, to be kind, to show some grace, to show some forgiveness, and and just be good to people even though at some point in the past they've been a jerk to us. Just think about it, all right? just think about it. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening. God, I know that for many of us it's easy to look at our lives and to see where we're generous and to see where we're kind and to use that to help us justify and to rationalize our kindness and our generosity in the lives of others and it's easy for us to look at all of our good deeds and and just to dwell upon those and not want to spend any time fo- focusing on where we may struggle and where we may fail. And God, tonight, I don't know if anyone else uh, can relate to what I've said this evening, but Lord, it is true that uh, mankind does seem to hold on to offenses longer than we should at times. And God, it does seem that we as mankind uh, many times refuse to forgive the way that we ought. And so I pray that you'd help us this evening to, to just give it some consideration, to give it some thought, and see if we need to be more generous to some in our lives. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As Lauren plays, you've got time to pray if you need to do so.